Good morning, everyone, and welcome to this very, very, very special edition of Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Today's guest is a very, very good friend of mine. She has been a mentor when she didn't know it. She has been a teacher before I ever met her. She has been someone who's changed and shaped and guided my life long before we ever even knew each other. And her name is Deirdre Breckenridge. So folks, you know I like to have people on my show who are unafraid to tell their stories and share who they are and shine. And in their shining, they give permission to others to own their own stories and shine. So Deirdre, shine away. Susan, thank you so much for the wonderful introduction. And I just can't thank you enough for having this conversation with me today. Absolutely, absolutely. So let me just explain a little bit about how I've come to know this remarkable woman. Um, way back when, when I was getting my master's in communications, um, I was given a book by a professor and told, read this book, know this book, learn this book inside and out, my job is done. And I was like, wow, this is definitely independent study. And so I got into the book and found that I loved the book and it really was a very helpful book. And guess who wrote that book? Deirdre Breckenridge. So lucky for me years later, and I really don't know how we ended up connecting, um, but years later we were talking and I said, oh my God, you wrote the book. <laughs> and so um, I think we were talking about your newer book, your um, secondary Yes, exactly. Your, your next book after that. So we'll talk a little bit about all of your books here because I know that's a big part of who you are and what you're made of. Um, but yeah, it's just really weird how the universe puts people together and helps them lift one another up. And um, I'm here to be a voice for you to share your story or a conduit through which you can share your own voice. How about that? Well, thank Let's you. And that. I I think we were meant to meet. <laughs> it was only a matter of time. And I feel like social media must have had something to do with <laughs> it. So I'm thinking maybe Twitter could have been Facebook because I know we're, we're both out there on, on social media sharing a lot. And, you know, speaking of lifting, Susan, you certainly lift up so many people, including me. Um, the minute I met you, uh, I thought, what a fantastic Wonder Woman in business. <laughs> How sweet. How sweet. I did not ask her to say that, but <laughs> no. that is right from the heart. She's super genuine. So I will tell you a lot of people, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm a prolific social media poster. Um, some have said, how do you get that to work in your favor? Because it can be a lot. It can be a lot. Like some folks have said, I think you post too much. And I said, well, buckle up and hang on for the ride because eventually you're going to love it. You know? Right. Yes. <laughs> Get used to it. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I'm know, not going to change. Yeah. It is, I love social media. I do. Yeah. And I, I write about it in my books, but I am I'm concerned <laughs> lately. Yeah. And, and, and maybe it's because of a personal experience and something that happened to my family. And I'm, I'm, on this quest to try to understand um, millennials, especially on social media yeah. and how they're showing up and the way that they express themselves. And is it the authentic self or is it just some kind of image or way that they think they should be perceived? 
let me ask you about that. So, well, first of all, um, I know you've done a lot of research on that. I have questions. I want to know, I know that they're not as into Facebook as I am, but um, you bring up a good point, you know, is social media real for them? Is it, is it fake book or in, you know, Instagram <laughs> real? Yeah. But before we go there, um, I know you well, and I adore you. Let's get the audience to know you a little bit better. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Wh why are you an expert in this arena? Well, I think my background, I mean, I, I could go back to fourth grade for my love of writing. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm just a, a storyteller. I, even though I've written books for Prentice Hall and Financial Times Press and Pearson and now my latest publisher is, is Rutledge. My fourth grade teacher was actually the first one to publish my first hardcover book. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think it was called The Secret Garden, <laughs> if I memory mean, serves me correct. Um, so I've always loved to write. And, you know, as a part of um, learning to write and storytelling, of course, media <laughs> played a big part of, you know, my, my career. So public relations has always been at the heart of what I do. You know, I chose that as, a, as my path in college. And, you know, then I learned a lot about business and, and marketing through an MBA and decided that, you know what, I'm going to launch my own business, became an entrepreneur. And the whole time, though, Susan, I think the storytelling has always stuck. I've always um, reinvented through media. And the other thing I love to do, I'm also an educator at heart. Yes. Um, no matter what, I always want to be mentoring or, you know, I've taught in classroom for 14 years. I'm, I'm not now, but that is just something that's so important to me, sharing knowledge and, you know, helping others to learn and grow. It's part You're of my Definitely, brand. definitely that. You are... Um a giver. You are a handholder. You are, your storytelling abilities help others to find their own best selves, I believe. Um, at least that's the role you've played in my life. So tell us a little bit more about this research you've done um, in how millennials communicate. Well, thank you for what you've said. Um, and my, my research, I set out on a research journey, and I knew that I would be relentless. Um, so this is my millennial passion project, which I'm finding out really applies to people and, and humans in general. Last year in September, uh, we lost uh, our daughter, my stepdaughter, Noelle. It was sudden and it was tragic. And that's just something that is very, very difficult um, to handle, uh, for a family to handle. And after we went through everything, I found myself questioning communication. Um, I wanted to understand, you know, here, here I was a communicator, a strategist, 30 years, always strategy and planning, working on big campaigns and being strategic. And I found the need to feel. <laughs> you know, to, to understand um, how Noel was 24 years old, a millennial. And um, in all of the communication, I thought to myself, what did I miss? 
And with that, I said, I need to learn more about the way millennials are showing up. How do they feel? Um, are they sharing authentically? Whether it's in person, through social media, what do they expect from others in their communication, especially um, you know, the, the people who are close to them in their lives or, or the business professionals, their, their mentors, their leaders. And what I ended up doing, you know, as I wanted to understand, I needed to understand, um, I started to talk to millennials every single week. And I asked them the same questions. And I quickly learned a few things <laughs> that sometimes the way that they actually show up isn't necessarily how they feel and that they really need a trusted, um, like social media is not a trusted environment and what they put out there, um, they sort of, it's more about image and how people see them and that equates to their, their value. Um, I also learned that they have expectations of leaders and leaders were not meeting these expectations, whether it was leaders from their company, um, it could be leaders from the brands that they were watching or they liked, or political leaders. So I just kept seeing this, this common theme, this common disconnect. And it formed a model called feel. And it, it's kind of, it's interesting that I wanted to understand how people feel, and the model itself is feel. Face fears, engage with empathy, use ethics and good judgment, and unleash the love. And this is what is so desperately needed. And if you don't have that between different generations or between human beings, then how do you build a genuine relationship? So that's where the, the research started. Talk about um, really, you know, really getting involved, like being the research. You lived it. It's this is a sad yeah. story. So it's a very sad story with some interesting, an interesting outcome um, that's not finished yet. I'm sure that for years you'll build on this. Um, I think too often as communicators who are involved in strategy, we do follow the process and follow the steps and miss what's right. in between each. Yeah. I think your feel model is about what goes on in between step one and step two. Exactly. It's, yeah, it's all the meat in between the bones, you know, so. And you um, can't miss that. You, you, right. can't, you have to apply it. It has to be a part of your strategy. I remember, Susan, back in the day, uh, and, and this is, you know, it's a, a different time, obviously, but when I was growing up in, in business and communications, feel, never say that word. Right. Like, just get that out of your vocabulary you do not feel right so, it was not respected it was no not, no yeah. it was fluff mm -hmm. it was all fluff yeah. and we're we're at a time right now and you know maybe listeners are aware but it's frightening to know that depression anxiety those rates are higher among millennials suicide is the second leading cause of death in the United States between the ages of 10 and 34. That says something. So 
I look at communication and it's not just social media. I don't want to blame everything on social media, but it is on social media. It's in our companies. It's everywhere we go. How much do we really feel and connect to build? I would rather have a genuine relationship than something that's transactional. True, true. Uh, you know, you mentioned that. It makes me very sad. So another of my very closest friend's son's best friend uh, just two days ago committed suicide. I'm um, so sorry. He is 17, was 17. So I think you're right. The pressure is so great. Um, and I, I talk a little bit about this in some of my writings and some of my conversations where the birth of satellite communications and the dawn of the digital age just puts so much information, right or wrong, fact or fiction, in your face. Right. And um, people say and do things they would otherwise not say or do when they're hiding behind the avatars. And, you know, it, it's global. You know, Viral Hate is a book um, that's out there that I've read. It's a very powerful book. And it talks about how it's instantaneous and it's global. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like the human touch that we used to um, rely on. It, it's instant. It's global. It's constant. It's not. It doesn't stop. And kids get sucked in. And so they do sure grownups. You know, so do grownups. But we are able to more readily process this because we do remember human touch and we do recall feel uh, and feeling. Um, I think that it's so healthy that you're doing this and I I'm guessing it's probably a, a way to process your feelings about what yes. happened with Noel. Exactly. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I realized as I was going through all this that, you know, I have to feel, <laughs> I talk yeah. about feel first. <laughs> I, I have to feel, um, and this does help with my process and, and everybody grieves differently. I, I look at members of my family and, and we don't all have the same approach and we cry and break down at different times. Uh, but this has definitely helped me. And just knowing that maybe I can shed some light and if I can help others to feel, that would be the greatest gift that I could ever give. That would be a gift that Noel gave. Um, I'm never, unfortunately, yeah. we will never get Noel back. And, and that's a hard, hard reality. But there is something for Her legacy. Yes. And it yeah. is feel. And I do want to mention, this is a young woman who really started to teach me um, to feel before she passed away. Because as a millennial, you know, she would say things to me like, you have to be more present, slow down. We're going to do yoga and we're going to do some mindfulness exercises. You know, she taught me meditation. She taught me yoga. Um, she worked really hard with the other millennials in, in the family to open up my perspective in so many different ways. She was a vegan. It was all about sustainability of the planet. There's a lot to unpack here. So she was actually helping me to feel um, even before a, a tragic Incident. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I find that we are undergoing a paradigm shift in every way we communicate verbally, non-verbally, body language, writing, um, you know, the way that we communicate via podcasting, um, that 
empathy is starting to get its due. Um, mm -hmm. You know, women have historically been more empathetic. It's not, you know, it's not politically incorrect to say that because studies show that women are right. more empathetic than men. And we are able to read people better. We detect lies more quickly. Um, so I think that, you know, with AI coming and with repetitive motion and even things, tasks that involve critical thinking, left brainers and, and like accountants, engineers, um, you know, people who do those sorts of tasks and generally live in that side of their heads have not been able to access or chosen not to access their right brain and their feeling side. Right. So for you to go out there and teach them how to communicate in this way is very powerful and important because again, this paradigm shift is taking place and the future does belong to those and success does belong to those who can incorporate the right brain. I'm not saying there won't be a place for lawyers or engineers or um, you know, accountants, but for them to be able to be successful and to, to tell their story or to relate with their buyer, their client, their customer, they're going to have to incorporate more right brain, more empathy, more yes. um, understanding of the others. Much like in the day when long ago financial advisors were just uh, selling and, you know, on commission, but then the shift took place and the client had all the power and the financial advisor had to then learn to ask questions, tell stories, use open-ended questioning, learn what's important to the client or customer, find out, are you investing for college education or for retirement or, you know, versus just a transaction where he or she made a commission. Um, so these people really had to learn how to listen, how to ask questions, how to communicate with feeling and empathy. And now that was just one industry. And now we're seeing every industry go through that same paradigm shift. And uh, people like you, I, actually, I don't know another person who's teaching what you're teaching, to be honest. Um, but you are going to be, if not already, phone ringing off the hook, email on fire, um, because they need that. They need to learn how to communicate in the language of the buyer. And most people are, they want to hear a story. They don't want to transact. They want right. to connect. Um, and I think you teach people how to communicate with connection, with feeling, um, I want absolutely. To and and Susan, just on the note you mentioned AI, one thing the robot does not have. Right. <laughs> the robot does not feel. Right. Artificial intelligence does not feel. And I think that that is um, one of the things that we need to embrace. And now there's a model. <laughs> right, which is why people are going to have to run those of us who do feel will not struggle as much, but those exactly. who, who are, are left brainers whose tasks might be uh, done through means of AI, will have to learn how to tap into their right brain and will have to learn how to empathize. And uh, I mean, I would refer them to you, of course, oh, thank to you. learn how to communicate with feeling. Um, but yeah, yeah. I'm trying also to, help professionals um, to learn where they are on this 
feel scale. So we actually developed a test that professionals can take that scores you in every area of feel. So you can, you know, a series of questions under face your fears, series of questions for the empathy part, series of questions for ethics, and then a series of questions for love. And it gives you a score for each part. And then once you're scored, depending on how you do, the test will recommend exercises so that you can increase your ability to feel all the way until you get up to feel mastery. And of course you get an overall score too. And that at least gives people something to benchmark I to say, Hey, I'm that. not doing so bad here. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love this. So wait a minute. So when we do this podcast, you know, I create a blog. Is it okay for me to put a link to this test in the oh, blog? Yes. And can I mean, I, oh, oh my gosh, gosh absolutely. Great. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. This would be yeah. amazing. We want so many people to take this test because we're also doing, this is interesting too. It, it will be able to lump people into their generation, of course. So we'll know generations that feel and how they score, but we're also doing it by profession. Oh, wow. <laughs> so if you put your profession in, we're going to see by generation, by profession, which type of industries feel more or less and, and who's going to need help. And we could probably make some predictions, but I won't go there. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see the data. I love that. So let me ask you, if I put the link to your test or survey in my blog, you will have everything you need in there to gather the data that you're trying to yeah. get to get. Okay. Okay. Cause, cause I, I um, want to be able to share this with all of my network, my followers on social oh, thank media. You. Yeah. Because the more research you can gather, the better and the more meaningful, you know, your results. Um, Thanks. And, and it will improve the model Correct. and that's going to help everybody even more. <laughs> Correct. I just want Correct. people to feel. The, the, this is very valid and reliable uh, methodology for research. And the, and the more that you can gather good results, the better you can hone your uh, offering to the public. So great. Um, Thank yay! You. I love to be yes. a part of this. Awesome. <laughs> Social I, I'm geeking out right here, right now. That's Science. great. <laughs> We're going to be geeking out together. <laughs> yeah, we just, we just built the database behind it. We're still saying it's in beta and we do have some people who have entered in their data. We're testing, um, but we're going to be rolling out very soon as the official version. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And I'm sure I smell a book coming, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, I'll definitely, uh, when that day comes, read that book, promote that book, share that book, buy that book for others and encourage other people to buy the book as well. So awesome. Thank you. Yeah. You do great work. Now people, you know me, everybody listening, you know me, I don't, there's no BS coming out of this mouth. So when I say she's the real deal, she's the real deal. She has helped me through things uh, in my life personally and professionally. Um, I go out there and I travel and I talk about biases and how communication can either contribute to them or combat them, especially gender-based communications. And Deirdre has helped me work through some mean girl issues. Um, and everybody I've learned, I've learned over the past year and a half, everybody I know has either encountered 
some mean girl issues or knows someone who has. So I don't yes. feel as alone anymore as I did when it first happened, because honestly, it had never happened to me until my fifties. And I was just like, what? Wow. So, um, and you'd think at 50 something, I would be Teflon, you know, who cares? But no, I am a deep feeler. And if I were to take Deirdre's test, I'm sure I'd come out on the mastery side of mushy. Yes, <laughs> I have no doubt, Susan, you are a feel master. <laughs> I, I think they'd give me the mushy, uh, the mushy award. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to have a feel academy. So I, I want to teach courses around feel and we'll have to have a mushy award in your honor. <laughs> I'm the prom queen at feel academy. Yes, so. <laughs> yes. So I can't wait to learn more about the outcomes and I'm happy to be a conduit for your research. And I know Thank that my you. listeners and my followers would love to participate because I'll tell you what, I have worked with lawyers for 18 years and then financial advisors for many, many years before that. Um, so I'm a huge feeler in the world of left brainers. I'm the woohoo girl. I'm the artsy fartsy person. I'm the one that according to Dan Pink, the future belongs to me. Um, but that's not to say the past was mine. Um, only since AI is making its way into our, our work world, uh, will the future belong to me. So I hope I live long enough to see me get mine. <laughs> oh, you will. No, no doubt. But I love what you're doing. I, I, I wonder, I'm going to ask a provocative question. You know, how is your work received by those hardcore left-brainers? Well, <laughs> I, I wish I could say that everything is going so smoothly, but no, there's definitely pushback. Definitely. Yeah. Um, for, for a number of reasons. Um, well, people, they don't like it. They don't like it. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Sure. It's literally uncomfortable to feel to face your fears, to take That's in a different perspective, to be open to things, uh, to challenge yourself, to step out of your lane and your comfort zone. So people don't necessarily like that. Um, and some people think that they're doing everything right. Why would I need this? And then there are others who don't like the genesis of the model that feel that that's just uncomfortable. And I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it right here, folks. You know, I'm not afraid to be provocative. I'm going to say it. Um, it's a woman doing this research. So Deirdre's a woman. They're going to be like, who is this woman doing this research? Yep. This is not. Yeah. Yeah. And social science. You know, how many times do you hear, oh, it's social science, not biological science. And even in this day and age in political climate, you get a lot of people who don't even trust biological science, you know? know. <laughs> so, oh my yes. God. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we don't know if we want to go there. <laughs> right, right. So I have to say, you have to understand uh, your audience. And when you get people who are open to listening and learning new things and who are confident and secure in themselves and want to learn more, that's great. When you get those who are just dug in and motivated by fear and don't want to learn anything new or are afraid of that which they do not agree with. Um, it's like trying to give medicine to a dead man. It just doesn't exactly. work. So you got to let go and move on. Um, but I will say, go ahead. I will say, um, the, there's the women around me <laughs> like you, Susan have lifted me up, have 
embraced, supported, amplified, um, and I couldn't be, you know, more thrilled. And I'm so grateful. So even though there is pushback, um, I feel a lot of love and support and big arms around me, which really, really helps me, all of this encouragement. Um, and no matter what kind of pushback I get, I'm going to just keep going. I will be relentless. I love that. I love that. So you don't, you, you acknowledge it and you push through it. You don't yes. ignore it. Yeah. So again, I always say this, I think almost on every podcast, those of you who listen regularly have heard me say this a million times. We win or learn, we never lose. We win or learn, never lose. I love that. Yeah. I love it's it. It's so too. true. Yep. And I got to remind myself of that. Look, I've called you crying before. I think I was losing. <laughs> you <laughs> reminded learning. me. Yeah, you reminded me to learn. Um, so speaking of learning, you have had so many great um, professional accomplishments and you have so much to be proud of. And I know this fuel communicate model is huge in your career. Um, and I'm sure you have other breakthrough things to come. But what has to date been your proudest prof professional accomplishment? Oh, gosh. Proudest professional accomplishment. I have to go back. It, it's not right now, although it's something that continues. Um, it just, it's a moment when I realized um, that I could do anything, even if I didn't know how. So I'll take you back to when I was about to write my first book, because it was a really big moment and a great feeling. I had met, um, it was, I was just in business. My little firm had been acquired by um, two partners of a larger communications firm, and they were both authors. And uh, Prentice Hall was the publisher. And I had just written this 400 page manual for a newspaper that was bringing their brand online. So really um, it was cyber branding at its best. And, and Prentice Hall approached me and asked me if I wanted to write a book wow. on cyber branding. And I'll never forget. So, you know, I kind of said, oh my gosh, I'm very excited. Let me take 24 hours to think about it. And I'll get, I will get right back to you. And I told a very close family member and that family member said to me, you can't write a book. Oh my You've gosh. Never written a book and you don't know how to write a book. And something snapped in my mind and I said, I'm going to write this book and I'm going to figure it out. And it was just such a moment <laughs> because I didn't even know where that came from. Um, at the time, because I was much younger in my career and, and had a little bit of a rough road, um, but I did it. And that was the start of, I can do this. I can, I can leave it. it to family. Right. And, yeah. you know, we have to be thankful for that because, you know, even though negative reinforcement is not the preferred way to learn, um, it, it's still, you know, it motivated you to say, ha, I got, ha, ha. that's right. And then after that, everyone powerful. was like, wow, she can, she can write a book. Yes. <laughs> and, and you Never know what? Me again. I hope that person is still around so you can say, 
ha, she can write several books. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, let's so. think of someone else who's been a positive role model in your life, maybe an inspirational mentor, or I'm sure you've had more than one, but let's talk about one who stands out. Yeah, I mean, I, I've definitely had a lot of mentors. Um, I think I look at my big brother, Bill. Um, it's really interesting. Bill and I are super similar. Um, I was supposed to go his path. So he was corporate America. He was a partner at Accenture. Um, I thought I would be more um, corporate doing marketing and public relations. Um, you know, I wanted to follow in his footsteps. Amazing, amazing professional, highest integrity, um, did very well for himself. The only thing is that I just did a little pivot and decided to be an entrepreneur. But looking at Bill, watching Bill as a business professional, as a, you know, a, a husband, a father, as someone who was involved in our town, in government, he just, um, yeah, he, he really made me see um, a path for myself. And I can go to him with, with anything and everything. I think that's me. so beautiful. So I see you post about him on social. Quite the handsome you, you couple, you two, brother and sister, both very good looking, very smart, very um, positive energy people. Let me ask you, is he still at Accenture? No. So he left Accenture. He went to Deloitte. Um, he finished up at UBS and he retired, I think, at like, I want to say age 56. Wow. <laughs> yes, Everybody yes. wants to be like I know, Bill. <laughs> I know, exactly, exactly. And then he, you know, he continued with a lot of volunteer work. He does um, local government. Um, you know, he's on the, or he's at least on the town council now. I'm sure he aspires to something else. Um, so yeah, he's always just been really motivated and he's an inspiration. Well, you Something know, you know that that's my world, the local government world. That's Michael. My husband is a city manager and he's the CEO of a city. So that's amazing. Um, yeah. We would love to oh meet him too. Yeah. So um, nice for you to speak so highly of your brother and great that he served such a uh, mentoring role. And I'm sure there are times when he sponsored you and you may not have even known it. But what's so beautiful is that, um, you know, he taught you what you needed to know, even though you were bitten by the entrepreneur bug. Um, and you took that, which, you know, helped you be successful because you clearly are very successful folks. I don't know if you've ever been on uh, LinkedIn and had, you know, studied LinkedIn learning courses. Uh, but years ago, Deirdre was recruited by LinkedIn to teach LinkedIn learning. What was it called back then? So it was actually lynda.com. Yes. And yeah, when they approached me, I had never heard of lynda.com. And I went to my husband, Mark, who um, is in IT for, for many years now. And he goes, lynda.com wants you to teach? Wait a second. That's all like IT. And yeah. I said, no, they're actually opening up for business and, and marketing courses. Um, and then they were acquired by LinkedIn. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I remember when it was called lynda.com. Yeah, that's so funny. And I, I bet you any amount of money in the world that I took one of your classes before I knew you and before oh, really? I put two and two together <laughs> that you had written the book. So 
you have been in and out of my life before we ever even really connected. Oh um, my. Yeah. Destined to meet. Totally, totally. And we're going to meet in person. I Finally. know. Folks. So we need to, to totally talk about that, but we'll, we'll get to the event in a minute. Um, but I have never met Deirdre in person. So just so you know that we're this close um, and we've never it. met in person. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. You know my life story. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And mine and mine. That's I've right, cried right. to her. I've cried to her. Um, yeah. The, the whole mean girl thing. She totally pulled me out of that quicksand pit. So um, I'm so glad I could help there. And yeah. just to know that you're, you're not alone. It's, it's out there. It's still something that happens and, uh, through different channels, in person, every age. And I, I just, you know, um, one of my guests on Women Worldwide, um, actually Kate Eisler, you know, there's, she oh, said I something. Love Kate. I love Kate. Yeah. She, her episode hasn't come out yet, but um, I'll say it anyway. She said, you know, there's enough room at the table. Let's, let's pull up a chair. Yeah. Like, there's no need to, no mean girls. Let's all support one another. So folks, for those of you who don't know Kate, um, Deirdre and I both have a really dear friend in Kate Eisler. Um, Kate is like a sister to me. She is just, a ball of positive energy just you, she puts her mind to something it, it happens it comes to life it's like she imagines it and it happens it manifests yes it she's super powerful she was the head of marketing and advertising for microsoft for many many years she's lived around the world um she is a, a mother of sons uh she is originally from the south lives in seattle but has been a, a really, really powerful force in both my life and Deirdre's. And um, she runs a company called Be Bold Now, and it's the letter B and then B-O-L-D-Now.com if you're interested. Um, she's a storyteller as well. So Kate and I both uh, love Deirdre, and Deirdre and I both love Kate, and it's just oh, also absolutely. great. But she's right. There, We've got to pull up more chairs instead of yeah. fighting each other for just one or two chairs at the table. Um, let me ask you this. I was going to ask you, what do you believe we could advise other women to do to support one another in business? But I think that advice Kate gave is perfect. Um, you know, pull up more chairs. Um, yeah, pull up more chairs. And also, if there's women in business, look to their services. If you need something, look to other women. That's, that's a great way to support. Let me ask you this. This is... Um, off topic, not something I had planned on asking, but as you and others know, I do that. Um, we reached out to, so that there's a, a business in San Francisco. I'm not going to mention their name. We saw them on like, I don't know, one of the morning shows, a national network show. And we thought, wow, this company is in San Francisco. They're doing something amazing. It's women owned. It's for women, by women. It's amazing. Let's reach out. And so one of my committee members reached out and this guy wrote her back and said, um, we'd love to learn more about your event in, in December. And then she wrote him back to tell more about the event and we made the ask. Okay. So yeah. we're encouraged to make the ask. I teach women to make the ask. I teach them how to make the ask. And he got so scared. He was like, oh, no, we can't, we can't involve money. 
And so then we countered with, well, that's fine. Let's be creative on maybe some in-kind involvement or how can we help you help us and we can help each other. That and sounds he, like a good idea. Yes, and exactly. Exactly. And he shut down. He totally shut down. And I feel like a woman would not, he was very yes or no. He wasn't ne negotiating. He wasn't tell me why. He wasn't no and let me tell you why no is the answer. He was just no. Like just it really, I, I, it was very much an example of gender-based communications where there wasn't a lot of questions asked. There weren't a right. lot of questions asked. It, 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 it bothered me so much, not because we didn't get the benefit of their support. Cause really at this juncture, it was us helping them more than right. them helping us. It bothered me because there's a woman who started this company it's an incredible company. She has no clue this guy blocked an opportunity for her. And that's, that's a reflection her. of her brand that she's Right, building. right. That's a gatekeeper right totally. there. Somebody who was screening and, and talking to you. Um, so that's a, that's a tough one. It's a tough, how do I, I feel with I that? I wouldn't want that. <laughs> Right. She and I are in the same circles. I mean, you know, we belong to the same clubs and groups and, you know, we're all about lifting women and supporting women. Here's this guy who stepped in and blocked any kind of flow of information or connection or feel communication. Um, how do we deal with that? You're a PR person. Like, how do I, you know, well, first of all, I need to process these feelings. But if I do take right. action, would you reach? How do I reach out to her? Do I have someone else call her? Is that going to, you know, go behind his back or around him? Or, I, I mean, I'm just really frustrated that this man got involved and doesn't communicate the way I think he should. Right. Um, and I think she would be disappointed in his decision to just put up a wall. Well, I think if you could reach out in a way, um, that's meant to interest her because it, you don't even know if the information got to her. And Correct. if there is some kind of in-person meeting that you're having, you mentioned that this is somebody who is in your circle, then it, you know, might be just a discussion to say, Oh, I just wanted to make sure that you were aware. And if there was any way that we could barter, um, you would very quickly learn if she even knew that the information was given. And if she didn't know, then that might be the opportunity to say, oh my gosh, well, I did, I spoke with. That yeah. would uncover um, something right there. You wouldn't even have to say anything further. If an opportunity I came in and walked, she would you, know. Deirdre, I might introduce you because you are, and this is a good segue to talk about your role in this event. You are my breakfast keynote speaker at this incredible event on December 5th in San Francisco at the Merchants Exchange Club. Tell us why you elected to speak at this event. Oh, I couldn't wait to speak at this event. I, well, first, it's an incredible event with your, your lineup of speakers. Um, I know that I will be inspired, empowered, and there's a lot of brain power that's gonna be going on that stage. So. That is one thing I'm really looking forward just to being there and learning. But I also, um, I'm looking at it as an opportunity just to share what's going on in the world of feel and how, you know, women um, have a God-given talent 
They have, um, you know, I just, I remember reading Daniel Amen's book about the brain and the, the female brain is so powerful. We have a lot of intuition and our empathy and, and resources yeah. and passion um, that needs to be tapped into so we can teach others. So I think this is the perfect place to be able to talk about that and to also mention all the pushback um, yeah. around feel because I'm sure other women in the audience and people certainly know that feel is not a word that was accepted for a really long time. It's time to embrace it. How can I help um, encourage the audience members and other speakers, as well as our committee members, to engage in your research while there? We, we can talk about this off the podcast, but I'd like to, you to think about how can we encourage them to partake in your research? Because I think that's a, we, we, we're going to have 150 people in the audience. We have uh, 20 people up on stage and then another 15 in the committee. Um, that would be a great body of, of research. You know? Yeah, even if they just take the test, <laughs> that would be step one right so there. So is this a link that, um, I mean, I'll yeah. put to my blog, but is this a link I can share with my community? Yep, that will be awesome. the link. And I will definitely mention the test and um, share about it because it will, it will be up and running. As a matter of fact, it, it could be up and running right now. Um, but by December 5th, oh yeah, we will awesome. be rolling. Well, you have permission certainly to um, mention this in your talk and solicit people Thank to go you. to your website and to engage in this because I think every woman in business and every man who does business with women want to know more about field communication and how to better relate with the buyers and the users and the uh, people they want to relate with and, and right. need, need to speak and communicate with. So. And on the note of millennials, Susan, and yeah. this is really important for everybody to understand, by 2025, millennials will make up 75% of the workforce. And that's a large chunk. And if they are asking for feel um, in the workplace or on social media or wherever it is, then business leaders have to take note. They're actually very vocal. And what I'm doing with research is just a way to pull all the information and package it so everybody can say, oh, my gosh, it's there. We better pay attention. Well, I actually already see this in law firms where um, the things that were traditionally uh, tipping points or teasers or selling points or things that were appealing to young lawyers are not the same. Right. Like millennials can't be bought the way, you know, no. like you can't they want dangle. a different experience in the workplace completely. Totally. You can't dangle the dollar. Nope. So I think that your research would be good data for these millennials in law firms and the workplace to say, you need to better understand us and what's important to us and not pretend we're you. We're not boomers. So this is not as important to us as it was to you. And I care more about, you know, my life, my balance, my ability to, leave work at a certain time or to work from home or, you know, not the same things that, that you people are, you know, killing yourselves over with this billable hour or. Yeah, it's just not the same. And leaders out there who um, kind of have the attitude, I suffered, you're going right. to suffer. Right. So like, I, unfortunately, I do think of a law firm 
where yeah. you have a partner and you have these associates and it's like, pay your dues. And right. then maybe one day you'll be a managing partner like me and you can do this to somebody else. Millennials don't want that. And they don't buy no. it. They'll say, no. you know, screw off and they'll walk out the door. Yeah. I've 75. Yeah. I think there's a statistic. It's 79% or 80% of millennials right now would leave their jobs to go to an organization that is more empathetic. I agree. I agree. That's everything I've read and I can't wait to see your results. Um, very important, very applicable. I think, am I correct in saying that by 2020, we will have more millennials than boomers in um, I always bring politics into things, so forgive me. I won't get I won't get sticky here, but I'll just I actually say, love politics. I mean, well, <laughs> I, a, I am a gonna say, myself. Go out and vote, millennials, because you will yeah. outnumber boomers. So absolutely, yeah. If you if you want this status to change, then you make it happen. You have the power. Get out there and vote. So I think right. that's a pretty safe statement to say. It's not going to be. I won't, I won't get in trouble with that, I don't think. Um, <laughs> no, that is very safe. And it's true. Yes. If you want to make a change, create change, then use the power of the vote. Right, right. Because so, you can't complain about something and then not do something about it. Exactly, exactly. Well, speaking of creating change or challenging uh, times or setbacks, we want to, I know we talked about Noel, and that's probably the biggest setback you've ever had. And hopefully it will, you'll never face anything as challenging as that because nobody should outlive their children. I just don't believe that's normal or, or we, we shouldn't have to, you know, see our children pass. But um, other than that challenge, have there been professional challenges or setbacks that you've overcome? And if so, how did you overcome them? So I think professionally, um, I had two male partners, the, the agency that acquired my little agency, um, and that was challenging for me because um, I found myself <laughs> trying to be one of the boys, right. which was not the right approach um, because clearly you get comments and things that you don't want to hear, um, and I lined myself up for. And then I wanted to step away from that, but I was already one of the boys. And then even no matter how much I tried to be one of the boys, um, I couldn't be. And I just remember feeling uh, like I was a, a bit alone and it was a really, really tough time. And I, um, I actually, it got a little bit better when one partner was bought out but you know, it, it, at the end of the day, I stepped back to try to understand. I learned a lot about myself. Um, I also learned what I would put up with and not put up with, that I had to be myself and that I was um, a woman in business and that I should be proud of that and any uh, belief that you shouldn't take your person to the boardroom or um, show your passion or your feelings. I now know that I am allowed and I am enough. <laughs> right. So I kind of take that with me, but it was some hard, hard knocks and a learning experience um, when I was younger. 
that taught me to be stronger, to have a tougher skin, and to kind of, at the end of the day, step back and say, did I do my best? Is, was I true to myself and is my integrity intact? And am I gonna, you know, wake up the next day and smile? Absolutely, yes. And if those things, three things were okay, then I was okay. That is awesome. That is awesome. So I know studies from the 1990s show that in order to succeed, women felt like they had to mimic men who were successful. This was the 1990s. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I went through the same thing at a large corporation in Boston. So I, I can relate. Um, it's not that way anymore. And the more we pretend that it is, the more we hurt every woman. So it's time right. to stop As that. well as ourselves. <laughs> correct. Correct. So you're awesome, but you knew I felt that way. I hope everyone Thank who you. listens knows how awesome you are now and that um, they feel that way as well. If people want to reach you and learn more about you or talk to you or email you, how, how can they reach out to you? Well, they can definitely email me. So I'm Deirdre at pureperformancecom with two ms.com. And you can always, always, always find me on Twitter. I'm at D. Breckenridge. Um, and if you want to take a look at some of my books and my work and, and what I'm doing with feel, that's at DeirdreBreckenridge.com. And folks, I'm going to spell that for you because it's a little bit uh, different spelling. It's D-E-I-R-D-R-E and then her last name, Breckenridge, B-R-E-A-K-E-N-R-I-D-G-E. And I'll write this down and put all of this in the blog so that you'll see it. Um, and for those of you who'd prefer to copy, cut, and paste, you can do that because they will be live links as well. So Deirdre, I love you dearly, and you are incredible, and I can't wait to contribute to your research and see the outcome and read the book. And um, I can't wait to see you in December. Oh, and I love you too, Susan. I cannot wait. All righty. Well, everybody, coming. Thank you so much for being here, Deirdre, and thanks for tuning Thank in, everyone. Thanks.